Hello everybody and welcome to Sound of Play.
Every Wednesday, in Sound of Play, we bring you some of our and your favourite pieces from the many video game soundtracks we've enjoyed over the decades. And joining me, Leon Cox, in, I think, the last, if not the penultimate, regular Sound of Play of 2018, it's from Kane and Rince, Mikhail Croder. Hi. Hi. How are you doing? Yeah, not too shabby. Things are a bit, bit, bit hectic in my personal life, but I'm uh, maintaining. Maintaining is good. Yeah. Uh, uh, I feel like slightly reheated crap. Uh, <laughs> listeners, I apologize for my, uh, my slightly un- unfamiliar tone. Um, I'm full of cold. It's just a cold, but you know, the first few days can really, uh, really knock you sideways, can't they? I'll call the doctor if it gets too uh, too worse. <laughs> Don't waste the doctor's time with 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 mere colds. Uh, they can't do anything about it. Drink right. lots of fluids, get lots of rest, all that sort of thing. Sound and advice. That's, that's exactly what I'll do. Go back to after this uh, after this recording. The show must go on, but uh, I. I must say, you know, shout out respect to all the parents and carers of the world who don't get to do what I did, which is as soon as I got in from work, I went to bed for a couple of hours. Uh, you have my utmost respect. You know, people who have to have to look after other ones uh, in whatever capacity, uh, even more so if they have you know special needs or whatever. Um, I'm just able to just stop and look after myself, which is. Uh, uh, a, a deliberately self-chosen luxury, but uh, one that I appreciate nonetheless. <laughs> you just—you must just have to. You've got two children, right? Yeah, it's true. But uh, they're so, of, of, a, of an age, and they're yeah. uh, ni- nicely independent, as such that if I feel particularly bad, I can just Leave tell me them to yeah, just uh, you know, guys, I'm uh, just taking a nap for one or two hours. Uh, just please be quiet, and uh, they'll actually. But you've do been that. through. You've been through the years of having to, you know have them yeah have them properly dependent on you where you and your wife have just not been able to be off off yeah. call as it were so to to all parents who are not there yet things definitely get easier or they <laughs> yes. should at least <laughs> they always say that yeah 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 and uh, i mean single parents and carers as solo parents and carers as well that's yeah. uh, that's another level of challenge uh, at least you and you and Sharda have have always had the you know one another support throughout this which yeah. throughout this make it sound like an ordeal but i, I gather <laughs> it can be at times yeah yeah but, n- not uh, at the moment though for two no. months i'm a single single dad but uh, oh, of course yes yeah, yeah. but it's uh you know we'll 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 make it through uh, the uh, the video game indoctrination continues exactly so they'll, yeah. she, she won't recognize them when she comes back <laughs> <laughs> they'll be cosplaying uh, Mega Man and whatever yeah. um, so our opening tune there was chosen by you you've brought a selection for us in this sound of play mm-hmm. it was from a game we've covered this year but specifically you went for uh, an 8-bit computer version of yep. the Ghosts and Goblins theme that is really a completely original composition bears no resemblance to anything from the original capcom coin-op yeah I, I, when i was thinking about picking tracks for the show i was thinking some tracks uh, related to games that have been uh, significant or that i've spent significant significant time with this year yeah uh, of course we covered ghosts and goblins and uh, for the show especially we played the arcade version but as I said on the uh, the Ghosts and Goblins episode uh, with you and Ben, um, the C64 version was the first uh, version that I got hands-on with, with uh, Ghosts and Goblins. And that theme just always stuck with me. It's uh, quite something. It st- starts out almost with an electronic 
interpretation of uh, Chopin's Prelude in C minor, I believe. Right, and yeah. then it be th those spooky notes come in and whoo, <laughs> cra those crazy sounds. And then yeah, it's just like some weird percussion and a synth bass line. And it's uh, it's it's quite quite something. And yeah, really definitely so something very memorable. And yeah, it, it, I never never forgot that theme. Yeah, we talked in the uh, Ghouls and Ghosts show about how the uh, the Follins took some of the original Capcom compositions and reworked them or wrote some of their own pieces for those games as well. So these, there is always this little kind of sub-genre, if you want, of music, which is particularly European or, or often, most often British 8-bit computer game conversions of arcade games, yeah. mainly <laughs> Japanese arcade games, where they decided to, yeah, just write, rewrite the music completely or, or whatever, which, you know, yeah. it wasn't, there were no stringent, I guess licensing deals and stuff in those days. So if they decided they wanted music where there wasn't, or they wanted different music, they just did it. Yeah, they bought the license; they could do what they want. And sometimes uh, the new tracks, even though they're uh, in a lot of cases they were impressive, they didn't fit the game at all. But for this game, sometimes, they, yeah. with the, especially with the, the, sp the spooky sounds in it, uh, uh, for, for this game, I definitely felt that it did fit. Yeah, so we covered Ghosts and Goblins or Makaimura back in podcast. Kane and Rince podcast, that is. You may not know it, listeners. You might be a sound of play only kind of person, but we do another <laughs> podcast. I know we mention it a lot. Kane and Rince, issue 335. At the time of recording, we are on our much earned, I would say, and needed hiatus from the show. It's only a few weeks, though, till we come back with more for 2019. Now, we have selections from the community, from the forum as well. If you want to make a pick, you can go over to canorince.com, head into the forum there, sign up if you're not signed up, join in the conversation with some friendly, intelligent folks, but also request tunes for this very show. Our first pick is from Mauricio MM, who says of this piece, I just love it. It immediately takes me to the streets, gazebos and alleys of Beauclair, to the vineyards that cover part of Toussaint's countryside and to the night's journey with all its fanfare and flowers, as the title says. This combination of instruments, amazing vocal performances and the musical direction make this piece not look out of place in an epic film score such as Gladiator or even perhaps The Lord of the Rings. This is Mikolai Strawinsky's Fanfares and Flowers. <laughs> Thank you. 
from the 2016 Witcher 3 Wild Hunt expansion, Blood and Wine, Fanfares and Flowers. You played, uh, played through all the, the Witcher games, huh? Yes, uh, last year for the show. Yeah. Uh, that was, we concluded volume six with the Blood and Wine and... Uh, and my brain is so fuzzy and full of cold, I can't remember the no- name of the other expansion. <laughs> the Witcher yeah. 3. S- sadly, but... I'm not of much help either. I was planning oh. to play along with the show uh, with all the games, but it takes some commitment. And uh, yes, unfortunately, so there were other pressing matters and other games that I actually needed to play to be able to talk about them on a podcast. I have that intention a lot with the shows that I'm not on. Uh, there were some this, this very year, which, yeah, I thought oh, I'll play along with that show, even though I'm not on it. Because it's still slightly less demanding than uh, playing through the game and then putting all the research together and, and making the show. But mm. uh, but still, yeah, there were a few games that I'd never finished previously, like Far Cry Two and Braid and things like that that uh, that I was I was intending to play along, but uh, but it didn't it didn't quite happen. And uh, Hearts of Stone was the the other expansion that we covered in that issue three hundred. We'd covered the. The uh, Witcher Three Wild Hunt, the main game. Before that, uh, another game we've split up into main game and DLC. Interestingly, is Shovel Knight. So we covered that this year, and we may well return to it in 2019. We also had I was uh, I was lucky enough to uh, get, and uh, it was actually Ryan who presented the show, but we got uh, Mikolai Stravinsky, the composer of that piece, onto Sound of Play back in Sound of Play '91. So do Very check cool. that out as well. Yeah. Now, this is the kind of thing I expect you to bring to us, Michiel, because <laughs> there aren't many others who would. I mean, I might, but uh, yeah. this is the the kind of thing that uh, that I want to hear when we've got Michiel Croder on the show. So tell us about Fake. Yeah. Um, I already played Darius Gaiden on the um, um, Title Legends Volume 2. Uh, compilation on the on the yep. PS2, but this year my guy from Japan, uh, Heavy Metaru on the on the forum, yes. um, flew over and dropped this by my house as a present. Uh, Darius Gaiden for the Sega Saturn that is. Um, he dropped it out of a plane. <laughs> no, he he actually visited and uh, oh. and handed it over very very nicely and very lovingly oh. and very uh, with a lot of care. Um, <laughs> And uh, yeah, I was uh, since I already was playing the game on the on the PS2 compilation. I was never really considering shelling out for it, so it it was a very lovely present indeed. Uh, especially since you know it 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 looks ra- rather nice on the in the Saturn version as opposed to the more upscaled, fuzzy uh, PS2 compilation version. Yeah, sure. Um, so very very crisp looking, and the the sound uh, is fantastic. You know, there's no dodgy sound emulation so all the this all the crazy music by Sundata the the soundtrack of Darius guy and uh, comes yeah. through in full force through the TV sp- speakers and the one track that I picked is fake uh, it's uh, it's used uh, throughout the game because a lot of these themes actually return in the different zones that you fly through for those who don't know Darius Gaiden is a uh, horizontally scrolling spaceship shooter uh, and you underwater ship shooter, 
Uh, yeah, well, there are sections underwater, but you fly through space and across planets a lot as well. But there's, uh, yeah, the, the the enemies are all. I always think of the underwatery bits with Darius, but yeah, the because, because all, all the, the enemies are themed after sea life, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So it's all like robotic, uh, robotic aquatic uh, creatures. Yeah, I remember uh, the original game because it was one of Taito's three screens across super widescreen yeah. cabinets back in the back in the 80s yeah and Gaiden is actually a Gaiden because it was the first in the series not to feature uh, feature the, the extra widescreen experience which yes, is a, right. a regular four by three aspect ratio yeah yeah and um yeah so fake is a theme that pops up uh, at certain bosses but also across certain stages uh most memorably it pops up at uh, uh the boss uh electric fan which is a uh, like a sea anemone, or like a like a yeah like this sort of a sea, yeah. sea plant creature, uh, and it which sort of hops around and dances around to, to the tune of this crazy sort of electro break dance break dance beat with uh, the the weird singing uh, voices and the mm. ca- Casio keyboard melodies. It's uh, yeah. it by some. Ac- to some extent, it's a musical atrocity, but it's also totally catchy and engaging to me at the same time. Um, and yeah, it's just one of those video game music tracks that, like the Ghosts and Goblins track, sort of always stuck by me from the first moment I, he- uh, I heard it. Fake from Darius Gaiden. Short, by... short interruption, by the way. Uh, is sea anemone? Is that the proper? Is that proper? Oh, English? anemone. Anemone, right? Yeah. yeah. So that's a Dutchism right there for you. And yeah. it's confusing because there are flowers called uh, an an anemones, and there's anemones and anemones, and, yeah. <laughs> and there's an enemy, and an enemy, many enemies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's credited to Zuntata. 
uh, but actually the composer of that specific work, I believe, is Hisayoshi Ogura, who also was probably the main composer on the amazing Ninja Warriors soundtrack. Ah. And we featured at least one or two tracks from that before, most famously the, the level one theme, Daddy Mulk. And I've recommended before that people go and seek out the Zuntata live concert that you can find on YouTube. The quality isn't amazing video-wise, but uh, but the sound is 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 perfectly adequate. And yeah, they're basically Taito's house band, all wearing silver suits <laughs> and just absolutely rocking these 80s uh, soundtracks to arcade video games uh, it's just a, a joy to behold for the likes of us very much recommended with Darius Gaiden so that was an arcade machine in 94 then it came to Saturn in 95 was it uh, as was very often the case back then the arcade machine sound chips were a little less fancy than the than the home machines could produce so although the graphics might sometimes be downgraded the sound was often arranged as we saw yeah. with all sorts of games like street fighter zero and various things so was that uh, is that saturn version an arranged version it's do you know? somewhat arranged but not to a large degree uh no. there's some of the sound effects some of the sound cues like the the pitchy singing examples uh in fake for example i think were not there in the arcade version. Ah, I see. Uh, so it's a little bit like slightly remixed, slightly rearranged, uh, and and more voluminous in sound. And Very cool. It's it's always difficult, by the way, to judge an arcade game sound proper if you don't oh, have yeah. a cabinet around, because sound emulation on arcade boards is uh, often leaves something to be desired uh, on compilations and especially on MAME uh, if you fire games up yeah. uh, in there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And even it was hard back in the day to enjoy the soundtracks in the same way just because of the noise of the arcades. Yeah. These machines didn't have headphone ports or anything. You you just, you know, you heard what you could hear. Sometimes the arcade owner would have them too loud or too quiet and uh, wouldn't represent them at their best. And it made perfect sense that when arcade uh, companies who were converting their games for, for the home uh, knew that this music was going to have more of a spotlight thrown on it in people's you know personal gaming dens that they that was where they actually put a little bit of extra flourish onto the music and in many cases actually at this point of course it would have been red book audio as well it would have been straight off the cd right but i don't know if this game was was that or whether it was just part of the the code that sat in memory yeah i haven't tried it out maybe i should just pop it in a cd player and see what happens yeah blow your speakers with the uh, <laughs> with the actual game code yeah, yeah. <laughs> now we have uh, a rather more genteel piece i guess or certainly a sort of, uh, of a very different genre and type this is what we like to do on sound of play representing the depth and breadth of video games music this is a popular pick from mononoke though uh, who says my pick is from the somewhat popular game the elder scrolls 5 the one with the dragons in it other than the cracking main theme, of course, my favourite track on this marvellous soundtrack is One They Fear. It plays most prominently during the game's many dragon fights and makes these already pretty epic encounters even more epic than the epic proportions that they have already epically reached. Did I mention this track is epic? <laughs>
I think it's quite epic. Yeah, and 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 uh, quite a quite a match for any epic Hollywood movie score. Yeah, amazing work, Jeremy Soul or Soul? Still not sure. I think it's just Soul with an E. But uh, yeah, The Elder Scrolls Five Skyrim. Now that we have recorded our Final Fantasy VII show, I think Elder Scrolls Five will still remain one of the most requested games we have to cover in Kane and Rince. We'd have to start with with Arena. Well, this is the issue. I mean, <laughs> those. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. I, I don't think in that case we actually would necessarily put ourselves through the first couple of games. Huh. Daggerfall. I remember being shown. I think I've talked about this before, either on here or on Kanerint's friend showed me Daggerfall back in '96, and it was extraordinary. But I recently watched a playthrough. It was no longer extraordinary. So all the all the but- problems that you have that many people have i should say with the elder scrolls 3 4 and 5 which are you know beloved to many and definitely not beloved by some they are all there in the earlier games but you haven't got any of the kind of the prettiness uh to sort of ease your your immersion yeah. so you're kind of I, I think you know we 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 love to talk about how games have aged or how they haven't and what which ones age like a fine wine and which ones rot like some rancid offal <laughs> and uh and i think some in in the case of some series of games the sequels almost render the earlier incarnations kind of redundant i think i mean it was great watching this guy playing daggerfall through in i think this was a recent playthrough and he was committed to it but it looked it looked painful it looked like it looked like hard work rather than it doesn't than look fun. very playable uh, if you look at it now no but exactly. funnily enough of course there are people who swear it's still the best game in the series yeah uh, of course not, not just like one or two but there's uh, quite a Absolutely. community yeah cuz i from what i know of daggerfall uh it has it's maybe the most open ended uh, of yes. all the games and it has still the largest map uh, funnily enough although yes you know that looking at how samey a lot of the scenery is that's not saying much in my opinion i think it was even more so than the the sequels it was kind of procedurally generated wasn't it so to an extent so just that's how they made it that big uh, yeah. is they kind of you know rent I, I this is the stuff i would have to look at if we if we covered it but my personal desire would be i would i would go back and play three morrowind mm-hmm. especially with the mods that you can get for it but the ones before that yeah, it would be it would be interesting, but also we have to think about what we want to spend potentially hundreds of our <laughs> hundreds yeah. of our hours of life doing. Well, so to to be fair, you guys did uh, cover the first couple of Final Fantasy uh, games, which I found very admirable. Yeah, that was yeah. Fortunately, those games have had at least had sort of two thousands era re releases, which have just done a little bit to make the 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 situation slightly less kind of awkward <laughs> compared to the originals <laughs> whereas arena and and uh, daggerfall it would be going back to the i think you can i think they're all like abandonware now i think you can just download them and play them i got but, uh, both the uh, Elder Scrolls 1 and 2 with when i uh, bought doom on uh, on gog.com you they just huh? uh, they just uh, yeah came came with the package basically oh, okay yeah well Never say never, but equally, I'm not committing to anything at this point. <laughs> yeah. Next up, we have a tune, again, from a mid-90s arcade game, Michiel. 
Uh, <laughs> absolutely <laughs> no qualms about it. This is one I've picked once before, many, many moons ago. Always a pleasure to hear it, though. Also so. the Saturn version? I think so, yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. But that's it's really not a problem. This is, uh, this is one of my all-time favourites. So uh, absolutely, yeah, it's been probably been years since we heard it on this show. So uh, why have you brought Ride the Tiger? Yeah, funnily enough, I'm not a huge Virtua Fighter 2 uh, player. I never was. Uh, I uh, I do have it, uh, the the Saturn version. Uh, but um, since I started commuting recently, I went back to playing hand handheld games again, and I, wa I wanted to finally get Project Cross Zone done and over with. And of course, Akira and Pai are a team in that game as well. Uh, of course. And, you know, uh, Pai and uh, Akira's team sort of alternates uh, whenever it's their their team's uh, turn to to uh, move over the board and fight. Yeah. Um, and it's just one of the many great tracks uh, in this game. Uh, and maybe one of the, the better ones, uh, along with uh, Dimitri's team, which I uh, requested on Santa Play uh, oh, yeah. two years ago. <laughs> um, but this time I didn't pick the Project Cross Zone uh, version because it's a very short loop. Uh, I mean, at least the versions I could find. Uh, so I de decided to went for the Saturn uh, version instead, since I'm also familiar that with that one. Uh, yeah, just just a brilliant team. Uh, I've actually gotten into Virtua Fighter quite late. Uh, me and a couple of uh, friends at uh, at NOE for our fighting game nights uh, that we had each month. We started to play uh, Virtua Fighter 5 and then later Final Showdown as well, along with yeah. uh, King, of, King of Fighters 13. And uh, we all really, really got into it. Uh, my main character was, um, uh, what's his name? The, uh, not not Shundi, but the other old guy. Uh, totally escapes me right now. Go, 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 go. Uh, no. No. How come I don't, I don't remember? <laughs> this, is, this is crazy. This is an increasing problem as, as our pa ages. Why is that? Oh, uh, I was thinking Landy out of no, uh, no, no, no. <laughs> out of Yakuza. I heard they're related. Yeah. What is, what is his name? Nah, this is this is really stupid. Okay, we're gonna pa have to pause take the recording. A... We're gonna have to look that up. Yeah. Pai Chan, Lao Chan, Lao, Lao Chan, Lao Chan, of course, Lao Chan. Yeah, that 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 was my main guy in uh, Virtua Fighter Five, because he's right. uh, in comparison to the other characters, he's relatively easy to learn. And you can Little just, uh, yeah, yeah, that's true. And you, you can, I like this uh, sort of menacing uh, old uh, assassin kung fu master uh, design. And you can uh, put a lot of, uh, if you know the strengths of the character, you can just get by with a lot of very fast tracks and uh, putting a lot of pressure on more technical characters that other people have a lot more trouble uh, with mastering. I always wanted to learn to play as Leon Rafal because his name is like my name, but yeah. uh, he's an absolute jerk. Yeah. <laughs> what yeah. a knucklehead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, let's hear it. This is Akira's theme, All Ride the Tiger from Virtual Fighter 2. <laughs>
by Akiko Hashimoto, Takanobu Mitsuyoshi, and or Takayuki Nakamura. The soundtrack yeah. to Virtua Fighter 2, AM2's Legendary Fighter. I think the we're talking about, well, talking about Epic, that was definitely that. And also talking about uh, people's favourite versions. I think, is it still in, uh, in many circles, 4 Evo uh, was the... The, the considered to be the sort of ultimate Virtua Fighter by some hardcore fans? Mm, uh, I'm, I'm not that well averse with the scene, but I think 5 I and, so. five and 5R five and Final Showdown are held in equally high regard. It's just that Virtua Fighter 4 Evo had a fantastic home port on the, on the PS2. It uh, yes. And it had a lot more content than most other Virtua Fighter uh, home ports that's true so i yeah. think it was just it, it's probably the most popular home port of uh, of any virtual yeah. fighter game yes but uh fa- thankfully uh final evolution uh is available on uh, last gen systems you can play final it on... showdown final showdown yes sorry my mistake uh you can play it on xbox one via backwards compatibility as well the ps3 version was ps plus some years ago unfortunately it's a shame that there's no Backwards compatibility from four PS4 to PS3. That would have been nice, but uh, still yeah. waiting. Although there are rumours circulating. Um, but the way they they did a slightly odd financial model with that, didn't they? Because essentially it was a budget game, yeah. but you could make it into a mid-price game by buying all the costumes. Exactly, yeah. 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 So it's an interesting that, idea. That were previously unlockable, but then in a full-priced version of the, yeah. of the game. In the, yeah, in, I, let's say I the base version of Five. So you you basically get the you get the absolute complete game experience for a budget price, but if you want the the kind of the frippery cosmetic stuff, yeah, you have to shell out a bit more, which is uh, fair. Jeffrey enough. has a has a shark costume. A shark on legs. Yeah, yeah, very tempted to buy. I was very tempted to buy that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and um, it's funny because I really got on much later with the you know i i liked the uh the newer virtual fighter game much better than the older ones but uh yeah. as we've discussed between you and me before the music ne- never got as good as as it did in uh in virtual fighter 2 for some no reason. not as memorable for me no. yeah virtual fighter 2 shame. is the pinnacle of uh mm. virtual fighter soundtracks probably i'd still love to have that situation where i i had a good virtual fighter player to teach me and to play with me because I've never been any good at it but I've only ever really played against the CPU because I never had any friends who were at all interested in it so yeah. uh, people loved Tekken back in the day but Virtua Fighter was a much harder sell because it's a much more complicated and technical game Tekken had the flash and the yeah the, the probably the more obviously memorable characters and but I, I think a, people tough. tend to overthink it a little bit as well I mean it all you really have is a guard punch and a kick button, and there's lots, well, of, yeah. lots of d- uh, different uh, variations uh, that you can uh, pull off with those three buttons, of course. And there are lots of nuances and technicalities and various stagger states to the characters. And th- That's th- it. there's That's a lot the there. The, the move lists are incredibly long and deep. But on a base level, the game is still very playable. And, it I mean, is. Me yeah, and my friends it... played it quite casually. Some of us were better, better than others, but even. If you just, without even studying the game, I could beat some of the better players in our group just by learning the strengths of my character, playing it a lot, and uh, discovering the weaknesses of theirs. That's interesting. The problem I always had with it, and I don't know if this is a failing of me or the game, but 
I always found it hard to actually, uh, I guess I just didn't, I don't think there's a lot of visual response for a, a lot of the this kind is of, true. Uh, the moves as yeah. in, you know, you, you, it, it absolutely reads all of your inputs perfectly, but yeah. because your character has very subtle movements on the screen, yeah. it's sometimes I, I certainly found myself kind yeah. of mashing or in Tekken you've got the hit sparks and the more exaggerated movements, uh, and yeah, v, VF doesn't doesn't really have that. Uh, I agree with that, and also this is probably also true of Tre Tekken, but especially if you compare it to something like Street Fighter, which we play a lot. Uh, Street Fighter has, uh, let's say, a pixel hitbox and hurtbox uh, data, right? Yeah. Whereas in Virtua Fighter, it's all actually collision uh, data of the actual yeah. 3D models. Yeah. So, right. yeah, that, it's li like all physics-based, so that makes it very different to play as well. Yeah, but very satisfying when you, when you get it right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, again, another series that maybe someday we could try to cover, but we'd probably need some experts on that one, I think, to yeah. uh, to fully understand the the depths. Uh, next up, though, we have another main theme from a game from oh, goodness me, nearly nine years ago now. Uh, this is requested by Mr. Green TOS Terms of Service. I'm not sure. Uh, a great <laughs> orchestra track to set the mood of the struggles of the mafia during Mafia Two.
from the 2K Czech studio. That's Mafia 2's main theme by Matus Shiroki. Forgive me, my pronunciation. My Czech is uh, is not, well, it doesn't exist really. And Adam <laughs> Kruk or Kruch uh, from Mafia 2. That's another game we've been requested to cover quite a lot of times. Mm. It's one of those where it would, uh, the second game was much more well received than the first. And if yeah. we covered the series, I might. So want the first to... one would be a bitter pill to swallow. Possibly, probably. possibly, yeah. yeah, and the third. <laughs> Although actually, our Jay had uh, uh, Mafia Three was PS Plus not that long ago, and Jay certainly had a good time with it. But I think that was mainly because you could set fire to Ku Klux Klan people, uh, which we've also seen reprised recently in uh, Red Dead Redemption Two. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a little uh, hobby. It did get. Uh... Good reviews, and I'm I'm sure that's not solely because of uh, you being able to set fire to white sheets and uh, pointy silly pointy hats. Yeah, I quite enjoyed Mafia too. I think uh, it yeah, it's certainly back in I played it in about 2011, and I think the sort of what we expect from a, an open world crime type game has probably moved on since then. I played this before GTA Five came out, and. I think Mafia 2 does have its own charms in terms of setting and uh, it's a little bit more kind of contained and reserved in some ways than the GTA games. But there are there were some issues I had with it as well. Um, mainly, actually, the thing that... And I, I know a lot of people would just think this was nitpicky, but a lot of the music that they chose for the soundtrack, which was great music, but a lot of it was for the wrong era. So, yeah. uh, And it wasn't that, it wasn't one of those deliberate things where... You know, like there's a deliberate juxtaposition of OST, modern music for an old film, old uh, a film set in olden times. Mm. This was meant to be the music that the characters were listening to in the game. Right. And it was in many cases stuff that hadn't been written for another five to ten years. So this can be very immersion breaking for sure. Exactly. Yeah. If, yeah. if you're aware, if you're not aware of it, then fine. And I guess that's what they gambled on. But they were playing you know 50s songs in the 40s and stuff like that which yeah. is just the, the the kinds of music that were popular then were just the everything had moved on so much it's how, in that how it gets on my nerves that in Shenmue uh Rio has a Sega Saturn in his uh, yeah his, right in his room where it's supposed to be in the 80s yes he should have had a master system or whatever the the Japanese uh equivalent yeah, SG 1000 SG yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> uh especially as he doesn't actually use it so it's yeah. not like um and, and they could have done in and that, everything what they else did. is so accurate of the I know. The, the time period yeah of course even the weather I mean, the, the gacha the gacha things that you get out gacha prone, yeah yeah they're not they're not accurate either of the time but yeah and the actual but the actual weather patterns yeah uh, were were accurate yeah. specifically to day to day but Baffling. yes uh, they could have done yeah I suppose it was it was originally going to be a Saturn game and I suppose they I don't know it doesn't yeah it doesn't really make sense the arcade machines are, are accurate yeah. at least yeah, yeah. Uh, but they could have done potentially what they did in Animal Crossing in the original which is where they actually he had a console you have a console in your house and you can actually play some of the the games of the time on emulation I suspect maybe that was the original intention yeah and maybe they in the end they just decided to whack a Saturn in there for random Random reasons, but yeah. yes, it is true. Uh, anachronisms can can pull you out of things. Yeah. Mm. Now, this is uh, another pick from a fighting game, but this is from a few years further down the line. Now, this is a soundtrack that I would say is archetypally Marmite, as we say, <laughs> in that 
a lot of people absolutely detest the Marvel versus Capcom 2 soundtrack. Personally, yeah. I mean, I think it's in on on one level I think it's horrendous, mm. but on another level it's like absolutely like nothing else and completely <laughs> seals the atmosphere of the time. So incredibly memorable. Totally doesn't fit the game really. Yeah. Uh, what what are your feelings on it? Um I I love it. You love and it, it. And it totally, it totally doesn't fit the game. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, right. And I, I think, I mean, you actually think the music itself, the voice in the game is horrendous by itself. Well, it's not my cup of tea. It's, I mean, it's... It's very acid, jazzy, launchy, launchy jazzy. Yeah, but it's but like what, really plasticky versions of, of that kind of music. It's maybe, something yeah, it's, it's, kind, it's kind of cheesy. I, I give you that. Yeah. But musically, it's very pleasant. It's very pleasant to my ears. Um, and I think a lot of people have, uh, especially have tr- trouble with it because it's not what you want maybe yeah. to hear under a, a clash of, uh, of superheroes yeah. or, uh, in a new age of heroes. It was a pretty wild <laughs> direction they took, wasn't yeah, it? it was... Yeah, I think so. Uh, but I, I think it's super catchy. And um, we spoke about uh, this game uh, at to some length in uh, the Versus series issue that we did last year, late last year. Yeah. Um, and I was not too fond of it all because probably also because of having only played the XBLA uh, version. Um, and when it came this this year, I needed to clear some space on my uh, hard drive to get the DLC for Resident Evil 5 to oh, yeah. be able to talk about it on the show. So I th- figured, you know, I might as well get rid of this version of the game and seek out an original Dreamcast uh, disc for it because I had a feeling I was going to like it much better on my... Um, uh, Bang and Olufsen uh, set upstairs, yeah, uh, and and I was right. It it's really stupid, but that sort of visual experience really, uh, you know, it uh, it turned out that it, it does uh, go a lot of lengths for me uh, to to be able to enjoy the the game better, because I yeah. just hated the way that the pixel pixel characters looked against the crisp HD poly, polygonal backgrounds, and it it meshes much better in the. Uh, uh, you know, in on on uh, uh, standard definition in uh, on the yeah, uh, yeah. in the Dreamcast version for me, and I've uh, right now we got uh, Smash Brothers uh, Ultimate coming out, and I love how little characters that game starts you out with, uh, with yeah. and you have to unlock all of them. It's just because the original it you... N64 lineup of yeah, games, exactly. Yeah. So so what you get is. Instead of being overwhelmed with a massive char- uh, screen of characters, yeah. uh, you, you know you get to spend some time with characters that you normally wouldn't, uh, maybe wouldn't pick to unlock yes. uh, the ones that you do want. And they it, s- it, they soon start coming thick and fast, though, don't they? Yeah, exactly. But it gives it gives you a more intimate relationship with the with the game, and it gives you something to strive for when you're playing by yourself. And I found the same thing with uh, Marvel vs. Capcom 2, uh, the Dreamcast version, because as opposed to the XBLA version, uh, it comes with only a base set of characters, and you have to unlock a, a ton of them. And one thing, except for just the pleasure of playing the game that kept me looking forward to keep on playing it, was just the silly and cheesy soundtrack that uh, came with it, of which Swamp uh, Stage is one of them. So- 
Marvel vs. Capcom 2 soundtrack there, unmistakable Tetsuya Shibata and or Mitsuhiko Takano. And yeah, that's from... Now, I think that one did share the same, exactly the same soundtrack in arcades and on Dreamcast. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Was it a Naomi? Yeah, it was Naomi, for sure. It was Naomi, yeah, Yeah, right. That's why uh, even on the the arcade and the Dreamcast version, this... Sprites appear slightly fuzzy because they're basically yes. imported from CPS2, yeah, uh, and then sort of yeah imported into a a, a Naomi built with uh, polygonal backgrounds. But still, yeah, it's uh, it it looks quite nice. It's uh, yeah, it's a, it's an odd game in many ways, but uh, yeah, one to treasure for sure. And we covered as much as we could of the entire kind of Marvel versus series, starting with. Marvel superheroes, and then uh, going on through X Men versus Street Fighter, Marvel versus Street Fighter, and so on. And Even uh, Tekken Cross uh, st- or Street Fighter Cross Tekken, uh, and so, and SVC Chaos. We c- we covered some uh, Tatsunoku, some... Yeah, yeah, as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we did what we could in a couple of hours. That was in Kane Rinse podcast issue two hundred and ninety four. Next up, we have a track from a recent game, 2018, but it's a game that is very much based on games of the past. Let's hand it over to Dusk versus Tweak from the forum, who says, Bloodstained, Curse of the Moon, is something that caught me by complete surprise upon release. Having no idea of the Kickstarter, I wasn't even aware that this game, one that looked like a pure love letter to NES-style Castlevanias, was a placeholder release for an even bigger game yet to come. Not that any of that mattered. The game is gorgeous with fantastic pixel art that creates memorable environments and massive bosses to break out of them. I had no qualms starting the second, more difficult mode immediately after finishing my first playthrough. It might be an oversimplification, but Curse of the Moon is a cool game. And the music fits right in. I don't know if the composer limited themselves to technology from the NES era, but the soundtrack could easily sit within the best of the original Nintendo's titles. Sunder the Night, in my opinion, is the standout track of the game. It has a romantic flair about it, while still informing the player of the danger therein. The music plays as you make your way through a pirate ship, rain and lightning crashing all around you in the dead of night. It's an exciting stage, and both the level design and music make it feel like something... I've been playing since the 80s.
That's Sunder the Night by Michiru Yamane from Bloodstained Curse of the Moon. Very much a spiritual recreation, really, I suppose, of the NES era Konami. Yeah, Castlevania. Castlevania. And it's very. This track is, in some places, comes very close to some motifs and themes found in the stage one theme of Castlevania 3 on the NES. Yeah. So did you play this uh, Curse of the Moon? No. I'm, uh, since it's Intercreates behind it, uh, and they've done some good work on, uh, let's say, retro-inspired uh, yes. titles uh, like uh, Mega Man 9 and 10 and um, Blaster Master Zero as well on the Switch. Uh, I'm actually quite interested to still uh, add this uh, to my collection and uh, play it. Yeah, like it's so quite many brief. I think it's about four hours long. It's quite yeah. it's quite cheap. I think it's often reduced. You can play it on a number of contemporary yeah. formats, including 3DS or PS4 or PC or your Switch. Yeah. Uh, it's worth checking out, I reckon. Uh, yeah. And we're looking forward to the Igarashi-helmed Bloodstained that's coming, Yeah, which will be the, the full spiritual Castlevania successor now that Konami isn't interested anymore. Yeah, or maybe they are. And it's all just one big marketing ploy. (laughs) (laughs) Remember, listeners, please do venture over to our forum. As I said earlier, canarince.com slash forum. You can request tunes for our regular podcast. You could also do so on Twitter. Follow us on social media, Instagram and Twitter and Facebook at canarince. And yeah, as I say, we will select your tunes. We try to mainly avoid licensed tunes, although occasionally we'll bend the rules if it's something that is very much strongly associated with the game we remain it remains to be seen what will happen to this show when the new copyright laws come into effect Uh, but uh, we'll keep on doing what we're doing until we are told to stop because we think it's a worthwhile service and i'm pretty sure that we haven't killed the sales of any copyrighted material if anything the reverse wouldn't you say mikhil i would definitely agree yeah yeah, uh, and probably I think we I think sometimes we sell the games we play the music from as well, mm-hmm. uh, just because sometimes the music makes you want to go off and find the game that it came from more often than not. So maybe one day we'll carry on with official sanctions from the video games industry. Well, we kind of had some of those because we've had EA on and we've had uh, a lot of composers who have very much given us their blessings. So mm. yeah, we'll see. Uh, anyway. Please subscribe to this podcast if you don't already. If you've just found us, then uh, then make sure you subscribe and you'll get all future Sound of Play podcasts. If you like what we do, leave us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you get your podcasts from. Also, we have other podcasts. As I say, Cane and Rinse comes out on Mondays, although it's uh, currently on a, a little break. That's our video games review show. We also have the Sausage Factory on a Friday, which is where uh, our man Chris O'Regan talks to the developers behind the games, most often independent developers, as you'd expect. And if you really enjoy the show and you appreciate the effort and time and love that goes into it, you can donate a dollar a month, a US dollar, that is, about 78p at the time of recording. Or for Mikhail, that would be about 0.8 something of a euro, not even a whole euro uh, for a month. Patreon.com slash Cane and Rinse. You get every Cane and Rinse podcast early. You get an exclusive monthly podcast. You get our format special podcasts where we review 
consoles basically uh, we've done two three-hour specials so far one on mega drive or genesis and one on playstation we've got a game boy show coming up you get those three months early if you subscribe and you support everything that we do and you get our undying gratitude so before we hear from your wonderful last track thanks for joining me mikhil on this grotty monday night well it is in the uk anyway i don't know what it's like over there yeah. in the land of the wind very 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 uh, drizzly very uh, very wet yeah i think here. we often share weather don't we just because we are yeah. on geographically we're on like a, a fairly level it seems to we're be on the, the same latitude or whatever almost yeah. and in my part of the country it's a sea climate as well so yes yeah. right yeah. and is it as flat as they say in holland even flatter even wow <laughs> imagine that <laughs> so uh, one land this is a great segue one land that isn't flat is the land of hyrule in the legend of zelda breath <laughs> no, of the isn't. wild it's lots of Mountains, climbing in it very much a lot of climbing yeah. uh, and you've selected a piece from this highly lauded 2017 game curtain closer really for the wii u in many ways curtain razor for the switch yeah breath of the wild uh, so what made you choose this particular piece um I've read recently many accounts of people that have uh, said that The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild brought them back out of gaming retirement and uh, gave them a oh. new, newfound love for video games. Nice. And while that's not the case for me, I've never, no. I've never, I mean, in the last 10 years, my love for video games has only, has only seemed to grow. Um, it's easily the game, the, uh, the, the single player game, uh, that I've spent the most hours uh, with the single-player, lengthy adventure type of game. Uh, and uh, I think I bought it early summer 2017 when I got my Switch. Um, and I haven't stopped playing it since. I mean, earlier this year, I thought it was it was probably February or March, I've mm. uh, put uh, like an, an end to the story mode. I went out to uh, finally get all my stuff and I went out to smash uh, Calamity Ganon. Um, yeah. But because I figured, okay, let's just, you know, let's just do it to say that I did it, even though I felt like I was by far not done with it. And yeah. even after that, I'm still not done with it. I'm still playing the game yeah. from time to time. Maybe not. I mean, I have had many other games to play in between, but I still find myself returning to it. Uh, I've started the DLC 2 thing. I'm sort of halfway through through that, and I'm still... Exploring the lands, still finding new things. It's a game that just keeps on giving for me. Uh, it's a game that got my kids totally obsessed uh, with it. Where they started, instead of watching, you know, what a lot of kids do, watch Minecraft videos, they start to watch a lot of Breath of the Wild, Hidden Secrets videos and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, so it's a game that all three of us really got into. My, my daughter, my son and me all have our separate save games, but we also just watch each other play on on uh, on each other's save games and help each other out and uh, nice. uh it's yeah. it's a bonding experience it's uh it's just pure magic this game is it's yeah one of those things where you don't see the code and the programming behind it anymore and it just comes to life of all the open world games uh that I've played it it's the one that feels the most interactive and alive uh and and it feels the most tangible rather than just a lot of scenery that you walk through. Um, and if you, I mean, you've, you've played uh, Breath of the Wild up to a yeah, certain so point, right? Yes, I played about but 30 hours. About 30 uh, hours. Yeah, so not I don't nearly enough. 
But... This is not a spoiler cast, but uh, the Hateno village in the uh, in the game is a place where you can sort of set up shop. You can set up a home. Uh, yeah. And because of that, the, the theme of the village, the, the daytime theme especially, has a very homely sound uh, sound to it, which yeah. is very comfortable. And, um, you know, it's even Breath of the Wild, as different as it is from from a lot of previous Zelda games, you know, it's a very, Hateno Village is a very homely place, uh, a very, very comfortable uh, place, but even that is not without its typical Zelda eeriness, because there's uh, an awful demonic statue, uh, statue also hidden somewhere inside the village. Uh, yeah, it's it's all Zelda, it's all uh, very comforting, and uh, just, just one musical souvenir of this uh, fantastic game. Well said. Well, thank you for joining me again, Mikhail. Uh, hopefully I'll get some of the rest of the Cana Rinse team on the show throughout 2019, as well as our usual guests from the community, guests from the industry, normally composers. I've got one of those coming up, I believe, in a couple of Sound of Play's time. In the next Sound of Play, I'll be handing over to Ryan, who has a, a end-of-year festive treat for you. I'm afraid we haven't been able to do the the nine-hour uh, end-of-year video game review of uh, 2018, but uh, Ryan's made something lovely for you to enjoy next week. Uh, until then, uh, we'll say goodbye and leave you with Manaka Katoka and Yasuaki Iwata's Hatano or Hateno Village, the daytime version from Breath of the Wild. <laughs> Thank you.